Chapter 82 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter 82 in which mr paul dangerfield pays his respects and compliments at belmont where other visitors also present themselves before going to town mr dangerfield riding over the bridge and up the palmerstown road dismounted at belmont doorsteps and asked for the general he was out then for miss rebecca chatsworth yes she was in the drawing-room and so light white and wiry he ascended the stairs swiftly mr dangerfield cried dominic throwing open the door and that elderly and ill-starred wooer glided in thereat madam your most humble servant oh mr dangerfield you're very welcome sir said aunt becky with a grand curtsy and extending her thin jewelled hand which he took gallantly with another bow and a smile and a flash from his spectacles aunt becky laid down her volume of richardson she was quite alone except for her little monkey goblin with a silver hoop about his waist and a chain thereto attached two king charles dogs whose barking subsided after a while and one gray parrot on a perch in the bow-window who happily was not in a very chatty mood just then so the human animals were able to edge in a sentence easily enough and mr dangerfield said i'm happy in having found you madam for whatever be my disappointments else to miss rebecca chatsworth at least i owe a debt of gratitude which despairing to repay it i can only acknowledge and leaving unacknowledged i should have departed from ireland most unhappily what a fop what a fop said the parrot you rate my poor wishes too highly mr dangerfield i overestimated myself my influence with the young lady but why speak of your departure sir so soon a little time may yet work a change you lie you dog you lie you lie you lie said the parrot madam said he with a shake of his head tis hoping against hope time will add to my wrinkles without softening her aversion i utterly despair while there remained one spark of hope i should never have dreamed of leaving chapel lizard here there was a considerable pause during which the parrot occasionally repeated you lie you lie you dog you lie of course sir if the chance be not worth waiting for you do well to be gone wherever your business or your pleasures sir invite you said aunt becky a little loftily what a fop said the parrot you lie you dog neither business madam nor pleasures invite me 
my situation here has been most distressing so long as hope cheered me i little regarded what might be said or thought but i tell you honestly that hope is extinguished and it has grown to me intolerable longer to remain in sight of that treasure for which i cannot cease to wish and which i never can possess i've grown madam to detest the place aunt becky with her head very high adjusted in silence the two china mandarins on the mantelpiece first one very carefully then the other and there was a pause during which one of the lapdogs screamed and the monkey who had boxed his ears jumped with a ringing of his chain chattering on the back of the armchair in which the grim suitor sat mr dangerfield would have given the brute a slap in the face but that he knew how that would affect miss rebecca chatsworth so madam said he standing up abruptly i am here to thank you most gratefully for the countenance given to my poor suit which here and now at last and for ever i forego i shall leave for england so soon as my business will allow and as i made no secret of my suit so i shall make none of the reasons of my departure i am an outspoken man madam and as the world knew my hopes i shall offer them no false excuses for my departure but lift my hat and bow to fortune a defeated man avez-vous dîné mon petit coquin said the parrot well sir i will not altogether deny you have reason for what you design and it may be tis as well to bring the matter to a close though your resolution has taken me by surprise she hath shown herself so perverse in this respect that i allow i see no present likelihood of a change and indeed i do not quite understand my niece and very like she does not comprehend herself mr dangerfield almost smiled one of his grim disconcerting smiles and a cynical light played over his face and the black monkey behind him grinned and hugged himself like his familiar the disappointed gentleman thought he understood miss gertrude pretty well i thought said aunt becky i suspected did you a certain young gentleman in this neighbourhood as having found his way to the young lady's good graces asked dangerfield yes and i conjecture you know whom i mean said aunt rebecca who pray madam he demanded why lieutenant puddock said aunt becky again adjusting the china on the chimney-piece eh truly that did not strike me replied dangerfield he had a disconcerting way of saying the most ordinary things and there was a sort of latent meaning like a half-heard echo underrunning the surface of his talk which sometimes made people undefinably uncomfortable and aunt becky looked a little stately and flushed but in a minute more the conversation proceeded i have many regrets miss chatsworth in leaving this place the loss of your society don't mistake me i never flatter is a chief one some of your views and plans interested me much 
i shall see my lord castle mallard sooner than i should had my wishes prospered and i will do all in my power to engage him to give the site for the building and stones for the quarry free and i hope though no longer a resident here you will permit me to contribute fifty pounds towards the undertaking sir i wish there were more gentlemen of your public spirit and christian benevolence cried aunt becky very cordially and i have heard all of your goodness to that unhappy family of dr sturks poor wretched man a bagatelle madam said dangerfield shaking his head and waving his hand slightly but i hope to do them or at least the public a service of some importance by bringing conviction home to the assassin who struck him down and that in terms so clear and authentic as will leave no room for doubt in the minds of any and to this end i am resolved to stick at no trifling sacrifice and rather than fail i'll drain my purse mon petit coquin prattled the parrot in the bow-window and madam said he after he had risen to take his leave as i before said i'm a plain man i mean so soon as i can wind my business up to leave this place and country i would to-night if i could but less i fear than some days perhaps a week will not suffice when i'm gone madam i beg you'll exercise no reserve respecting the cause of my somewhat abrupt departure i could easily make a pretext of something else but the truth madam is easiest as well as best to be told i protracted my stay so long as hope continued now my suit is ended i can no longer endure the place the remembrance of your kindness only sweetens the bitterness of my regret and that i shall bear with me so long madam as life remains and saying this as mr richardson writes he bowed upon her passive hand and miss rebecca made him a grand and gracious curtsey as he retreated whom should dominic announce but captain clough and lieutenant puddock and there was an odd smile on mr dangerfield's visage as he slightly acknowledged them in passing which aunt rebecca somehow did not like so aunt becky's levy went on and as homer in our schoolboy ear sang the mournful truth that as the generations of the forest leaves so are the succession of men the danger field efflorescence had no sooner disappeared and that dry leaf whisked away down the stairs than clough and puttock budded forth and bloomed in his place in the sunshine of aunt rebecca's splendid presence clough in virtue of his rank and pretensions marched in the van and as aunt becky received him little puttock's round eyes swept the room in search perhaps of some absent object the general's not here said aunt becky loftily and severely interpreting puttock's wandering glance in that way your visit perhaps is for him you'll find him in his study with the orderly my visit madam said puttock with a slight blush was intended for you madam not for the general whom i had the honour of seeing this morning on parade oh 
for me i thank you said aunt rebecca with a rather dry acknowledgment and so she turned and chatted with clough who not being at liberty to talk upon his usual theme his poor unhappy friend puddock and his disgraces was eloquent upon the monkey and sweet upon the lapdogs and laughed till he grew purple at the humours of the parrot and swore as gentlemen then swore twas a conjurer a wonder and as good as a play while this entertaining conversation was going on there came a horrid screech and a long succession of yelps from the courtyard good gracious mercy cried aunt rebecca sailing rapidly to the window tis flora's voice sweet creature have they killed you my angel what is it where are you sweetheart where can she be oh dear oh dear and she looked this way and that in her distraction but the squeak subsided and flora was not to be seen and aunt becky's presence of mind returned and she said captain clough tis a great liberty but you're humane and besides i know that you would readily do me a kindness that emphasis was shot at poor puddock and may i pray you to try on the steps if you can see the dear animal anywhere you know flora know her oh dear yes cried clough with alacrity who however did not but relied on her answering to her name which he bawled lustily from the doorsteps and about the courtyard with many terms of endearment intended for aunt becky's ear in the drawing-room little puddock who was hurt at that lady's continued severity was desirous of speaking for he liked aunt becky and his heart swelled within him at her injustice but though he hemmed once or twice somehow the exordium was not ready and his feelings could not find a tongue aunt becky looked steadfastly from the window for a while and then sailed majestically toward the door which the little ensign with an humble and somewhat frightened countenance hastened to open pray sir don't let me trouble you said aunt becky in her high cold way madam tis no trouble it would be a happiness to me madam to serve you in any way you would permit but tis a trouble to me madam indeed that you leave the room and a greater trouble said little puddock waxing fluent as he proceeded that i have incurred your displeasure indeed madam i know not how your goodness to me madam in my sickness i never can forget you can forget sir you have forgot though indeed sir there was little to remember i i'm glad you thought me kind sir i-i wish you well sir said aunt becky she was looking down and a little pale and in her accents something hurried and almost sad and as for my displeasure sir who said i was displeased and if i were what could my displeasure be to you no sir she went on almost fiercely and with a little stomp on the floor you don't care and why should you you've proved it you don't lieutenant puddock and you never did and without waiting for an answer aunt becky flashed out of the room and upstairs to her chamber 
the door of which she slammed fiercely and gertrude who was writing a letter in her own chamber heard her turn the key hastily in the lock when clough who for some time continued to exercise his lungs in persuasive invitations to flora at last gave over the pursuit and returned to the drawing-room to suggest that the goddess in question had probably retreated to the kitchen he was a good deal chagrined to find the drawing-room untreasured of its mistress Puddick looked a good deal put out and his explanation was none of the clearest and he could not at all say that the lady was coming back i think lieutenant Puddick said clough who was much displeased and had come to regard aunt rebecca very much as under his special protection it might have been better we hadn't called here i you see you're not you see it yourself you've offended miss rebecca chatsworth somehow and i'm afraid you've not mended matters while i was downstairs bawling after that cursed that the little dog you know and and for my part i'm devilish sorry i came sir this was said after a wait of nearly ten minutes which appeared at least twice as long i'm sorry sir i embarrassed you with the disadvantage of my company answered little puddick with dignity why tisn't that you know rejoined clough in a patronizing my good fellow sort of way you know i always liked your company devilish well but where's the good of putting oneself in the way of being thought du trop don't you see by other people and annoyed in this way and you you don't know the world puddick you'd much better leave yourself in any hands you see and so i suppose we may as well be off now tis no use waiting longer and discontentedly and lingeringly the gallant captain followed by puddock withdrew himself pausing to caress the wolf-dog at the corner of the courtyard and loitering as long as it was decent in the avenue all this time miss gertrude chatsworth like her more mature relative was in the quiet precincts of her chamber she too had locked her door and with throbbing temples and pale face was writing a letter from which i take the liberty of printing a few scarcely coherent passages i saw you on sunday for nearly two hours may heaven forgive me thinking of little else than you and oh what would i not have given to speak were it but ten words to you when is my miserable probation to end why is this perverse mystery persisted in i sometimes lose all hope in my destiny and well-nigh all trust in you i feel that i am a deceiver and cannot bear it i assure you on my sacred honour i believe there is nothing gained by all this oh forgive the word deception how or when is it to terminate what do you propose why does the clerk's absence from the town cause you so much uneasiness is there any danger you have not disclosed a friend told me that you were making preparations to leave chapel is it and return to england i think i was on the point of fainting when i heard it i almost regret i did not as the secret would thus have been discovered and my emancipation accomplished 
how have you acquired this strange influence over me to make me so deceive those in whom i should most naturally confide i am persuaded they believe i really recoil from you and what is this new business of dr stirk i am distracted with uncertainties and fears i hear so little and imperfectly from you i cannot tell from your dark hints whether some new danger lurks in those unlooked-for quarters i know not what magic binds me so to you to endure the misery of this strange deceitful mystery but you are all mystery and yet be not you cannot be my evil genius you will not condemn me longer to a wretchedness that must destroy me i conjure you declare yourself what have we to fear i will brave all anything rather than darkness suspense and the consciousness of a continual dissimulation declare yourself i implore of you and be my angel of light and deliverance there is a vast deal more but this sample is quite enough and when the letter was finished she signed it your most unhappy and too faithful gertrude and having sealed it she leaned her anxious head upon her hand and sighed heavily she knew very well by what means to send it and the letter awaited at his house him for whom it was intended on his return that evening end of chapter eighty two recording by john brandon